You're listening to Augustus Cho's Fry It Up podcast on the Nana Music Network. All right, on today's Fry It Up with Augustus Cho, my guest is all about the nightlife and clubbing. We all remember those special moments in our lives, and often there is music associated with it. So every time we hear that music or song, it brings us back to that special moment in time. Well, my guest provides those moments that last a lifetime. And this is a quote from one of his websites. Quote, club goers and dance music fans in the New York metro area know him and flock to hear his sets. He's been a staple in the New York, New Jersey club scene going on for 20 years. For a DJ slash producer, that's a lifetime. But for Louis DeVito, it is simply his life. With that, the Fry It Up podcast welcomes Louis DeVito. How are you, Louis? Good. How are you, my friend? Good. good. All right. So um, how was last year treated you with all this going on? Well, I'm healthy. So that's obviously the most important thing. Uh being healthy, my family's healthy. So uh, other than that, everything's been great. I mean, no parties, that's the that's the downside, but the health is the most important thing. And I'm just looking forward to getting back to being in the DJ booth. That's right. I bet you missed that. Now you're based out of New York slash New Jersey area, I, I figured. Yes, yes. I currently, I started out in, in New York and now I currently reside in New Jersey and I do parties in all over the place. Right, right. I guess you like to pay that highest auto insurance rate in New Jersey, in the country. Huh? Yes, yes, we do get a little, uh, we do get a little, uh, you know, exceeded uh, with <laughs> with the with the money, yeah, and the tolls and the gas. But I guess that's the price of living in this area. That is true. I mean, New Jersey is a pretty area, but it is expensive to live day by day from everything you've mentioned. But that it makes is. you a better man than I am, I guess. Oh, thank you. Uh, but it also seems like uh, many things, especially cultural aspects, New York City and New Jersey, whatever happens over there eventually spreads out to the rest of the country. So is that the case with uh, music that you are DJing and also producing? Well, the, the funny thing that you bring that up when I first started, you know, you know, over 20, 20 years ago, and came up with the concept, the New, York, the New York City Underground Party CD, which which most people know, uh, which I'm famous for, I guess. Uh, a lot of people, record label people and industry people, didn't think people outside of the New York area or tri-state area would buy something that says New York City on it. They're like, why would someone outside of this area want to buy something that was labeled New York City? I'm like, well, very simple, because it's New York City. Every right. city, it's the biggest city in the world. It's the right. greatest city in the world. Everything is emulated off New York City, whether it's food, fashion, you know, just so much comes from New York City. And the music, the, the great house music and club music, it's New York City. It originates, it comes from New York City. So to spread it to other areas is, it was a no-brainer to call it New York City. And they disagreed with me. I'm, obviously, I did it on my own. I didn't need anyone's help to do it. But that was the big uh, misconception that why would someone want to buy something that says New York City on it? But anytime you go outside of the New York City area, you always see New York pizza, New York City-style bread or bagels, everything. People want New York City. They want to feel and be a part of New York City. So it just made sense to call the CDs New York City Underground Party, because like you said, it translates through even to the West Coast. Everyone loves the city. I mean, you know, the city's not Miami or L.A., but it has its own taste and flavor and people still gravitate towards the city. The city's been a little down this past year because because of covid, but it's going to come back and it's going to come back a million times better like it always has in the past. Well, I certainly hope so. And I would think that when you see that New York City, it's a brand. And so I think it would be an asset as opposed to being a liability like some of those other producers may have thought at the time. Well, yes, it is a big asset because New York City is a brand. 
And the whole concept that, behind New York City Underground Party was some of the music may have not been underground, you know, true underground music, but it was just a mix of something that I thought would would work well together. So people gravitated towards it. And I've been still going strong over 20 years later. So I guess I guess it was the right formula. Well, good things last. Right? I mean, look at Leonardo da Vinci's work, Michelangelo's work, you know, good things last. So obviously, whatever you put out is good enough that it lasts a long time. Absolutely. And that's what we're, we recreate with my parties now is the music from 20 years ago, but also mixed in with today's, you know, EDM dance and house music. So it's a little bit, it's a blend of everything. It caters to, to people who are in their 20s, to all the way people that are in their 40s, even into their 50s. So my crowd is a very wide range. It's not just an EDM crowd where everyone is, you know, maybe 18, 19, 21 years old. And it's not just a, not just music from 20 years ago. There are only people maybe that are in their, in their mid to late 30s or even their 40s can appreciate. It's, you know, I never plan my sets. It's whatever I'm feeling at the moment, but it's a mix of music from 20 years ago with current stuff and everything in between. So that's what that's why I can spend so many hours in my set, six, eight, ten hours, because it's limitless what you could play. A lot of big name DJs who play festivals, they only spin like one or two hour sets because they only want to play 20 or 30 of the newest, hottest records. I play that, but I also play, you know, records that were big 20 years ago as well. So I think it works well. And that's why my, my crowds are very diverse. We get girls as young as 21 in there. And we might, I've had girls actually come to my parties with their moms, you know, which is crazy. You know, a, a, you know, a woman who's 45 who grew up listening to me now has a 25 or 20, 21 year old daughter and they can both enjoy it. So I think that's, you know, I think that's a great thing to, to be able to pass it on from to, to the next generation and reach, you know, that such big of a diverse crowd. Absolutely. I think to me, if you can, uh, transcend generation or two in terms of audience, that is success. I mean, that's what the uh, time proves, right? Oh, 100%. And, uh, you know, besides obviously dance music and house music, which is my true love and passion, I love, you know, a lot of different genres. Two years ago was my first time going to see Billy Joel live at Madison Square Garden. And to be honest with you, there was college kids there. There was it was such a mix. And here's the guy, like you saying about, you know, going from to the next generation, Billy Joel, who's been around since this, you know, 40 years, he's been around since the early seventies. These, you know, these kids weren't even, weren't even born yet. <laughs> 40 years ago, coming, I was in my 17, I was 17 when he came, when Billy Joel came out. <laughs> right. So, it, you know, it, 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 he just transcends from people from being 16 all the way to people in their sixties and older. So, Great music doesn't have an expiration date. It would always stand the test of time. And to grow my audience now, producing new music is to captivate the younger audience, but still not forget the people that supported me 20 years ago. So I think it's, uh, it's an interesting concept. It works really well. And I think, you know, it's something I'm excited about that, you know, once these restrictions lift, uh, you know, I did a couple outdoor events last year and I'll be doing a couple this summer. But once the clubs really open back up, you know, I'm, I'm raring to go. I'm going to pick up where I left off a little over a year ago. Understandable. And obviously you have demonstrated that quality lasts and quality transcends ages. It does. It really does. Now, earlier we were talking about New York City brand. Uh, to me, I mean, a good example is your music, but also... Uh, something that a lot of young people know today, which is called hip hop, right? I mean, yes, that started in Bronx, is my understanding, in that area, and right. it transcended across the country, across the world. So it did. You know, whatever uh, the Big Apple is providing, evidently still good. Yes, absolutely. And uh, you know, with hip hop, you know, maybe a group like Naughty by Nature, which was big in the '90s, you know, s- some of their music now. Is, is 30 years old. Hard but to believe. There's 30 years old, but there's still people that weren't even born yet who go out and dance to it. So, you know, it just, whether it's hip hop, whether it's house, whether it's Billy Joel, 
you know, it just, it's it'll great music will never die. It'll keep going. And the, the New York City brand, anything that comes out of New York City is just, you know, maybe I'm a little biased because I'm from New York, but I think anything that comes out of New York is the best there is, whether it's food, fashion <laughs> or music. I think New York City is the epicenter of it all. Definitely. I mean, there's something about New York brands. And for me, you know, I miss uh, famous Ray's Pizza. You know, what can I say? Right. And Absolutely. It's, it's the water, but I don't know what it is, but it's great. And I miss it. And I think about it often. Right. Yes. I'm a big pizza connoisseur. So I well, would have to You're agree Italian that, too, right? Yes. Yes, I am. So I would agree that New York or Brooklyn pizza is the best. I've had good pizza elsewhere, but to me, that's still the epicenter of, of pizza. Absolutely. Now, uh, for people that may not be familiar with the two terms that you used, one is underground and the other was electronic dance music. Would you, would you explain that uh, for the listeners who may not be quite up to your vocabulary and what it means and how it affects the music you do today? Well, underground music is basically, you know, not mainstream music, something that you wouldn't hear on a radio station. You know, now it's a little different because, you know, radio stations, most people listen to podcasts. They listen to Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora. They're streaming stuff. Uh, so it's a little bit different. But underground music was music. It was not mainstream. It was something you would never hear on the radio. Uh, and underground was always the misconception was there would be no vocals in an underground song. It would just be a track. It would just be beats. And that would be considered underground. And especially New York City with the after hour clubs, that's what they wanted to hear at four, five, six, seven, even 10 in the morning, they wanted to get lost in the music. So true underground music wasn't mainstream. You couldn't hear it on the radio. Maybe you would hear a song once and you would never hear it again. So it was very, you know, elusive. Like what was that track? And 20 years ago, there wasn't the internet. You know what I mean? You couldn't just, you know, search, like, let me find this song. I shouldn't say, you know, 20 years, a little bit longer than that, but you know, all this stuff didn't happen, the streaming coming out fingertips within the last few years. You know, now you have Shazam, you could be in a, in a night spot and, and hit it and your phone is going to tell you this is the track. You can go on iTunes and download it right there. So it was a little bit of a challenge 20, 30 years ago to find some music. So underground, that's where underground came from. Hence the name New York City Underground Party. Even though all those tracks weren't underground, I just love the name of it. And of course, using New York City as a brand. Uh, EDM. Hold on. Let me which, follow up. Let me follow up with underground. Yes. So would it be accurate to say that underground music focuses on dancing? Or dance? I would say 100% is focused yeah. on dancing. Gotcha. You know, in an after hours club or just a club, you know, in the city. Underground music, that's, you know, Limelight, Twilo, Sound Factory. That's where it emulated from, underground. So, and as far as EDM, which is the term electronic dance music, and now EDM is basically everyone makes music on their computer. You know, it's not, it's, it's not in the 70s and 80s where there was live instruments being played to generate a sound, uh, an actual drummer, someone playing a keyboard. Now everything is done, you know, because technology, which is phenomenal, you know, you could build a track on, on your computer and it's done electronically. So that's where the term electronic dance music came from. And so hence the short term is EDM. And it's a, it's a you know, EDM, it's an umbrella, just like house music is. I call everything house music, even if it's under the EDM brand or if it's underground, there's so many different subgenres. I just call it either house music, dance music, but this generation calls it EDM because it's all made electronically. So, but it's EDM is technically more of, it's not house music is more, it's hard to explain. It's, it's, it's a different feel house music than EDM. EDM is usually like a lot more keyboards, synthesizers built in there and house music is more drums and, you know, just a, a, a different sound, still all across the board, great. And I play everything, whether it's EDM, whether it's you want to call it house music, you want to call it dance music, techno, whatever you call it, I play it. I play it. If it's a great record, I'm playing it, regardless what the genre is. And the common denominator of everything you've mentioned is that it has a certain beat for dancing. Yes. Usually, 
when I first started out, a lot of records were 130, 135, 140 beats per minute, which is a pretty fast record. Then it, it started coming down. Now, you know, it's probably solidly in the 120s. But years ago, it was as high as 140, 145, wow. which, is, which is a very fast beat. So it's predominantly in the 120s now, but more than a typical hip hop song is probably in the 90s of beats per minute. Obviously, a lot slower. Still, you can dance to hip hop. Of course, you can. I mean, anyone can dance to anything if they like it. So, but house music is generally in the 120s. That's the, the, the BPM of the 120s. And we will be right back after this important message. Hi, my beautiful people. I just wanted to let you know about a book that's helped me save a lot of money. The book is called How to Buy in Today's Digital World, Tips for Those Who Want to Save a Buck. This book provides step-by-step tips on how to save money on your online purchases. It also instructs you on making smart financial decisions when buying groceries, booking flights and hotels, plus lots more. I hope you get a chance to get your copy. I think you'll love it, and I know you'll save some money. Available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. When Louis DeVito dreams at night, does he dream music and beats in his head? That's an interesting question. I dream of a lot of things, uh, <laughs> but music music is my passion. And, you know, outside of, uh, you know, food, you know, food is my second passion. You know, I can cook, but I would never, I could never be confused for being a chef, you know, so I feel most comfortable in the DJ booth. But music and food are, are, are definitely my two passions. So if I'm not eating, my mind is thinking about music and, you know, what's going on with the music scene right now. So Food, food Network has nothing to worry uh, about that, uh, Louis DeVito, huh? No, then not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Maybe in a few years, but right now, no. Sounds good to me. I, I'll wait uh, on that. Um, your industry is rather unique and it's not, you know, it's kind of a niche. How did you end up being in such an interesting industry? Well, the music industry, you know, as as in, as as interesting as it is, it's very it's very challenging, especially now with streaming and downloading. Uh, you know, people aren't really physically buying music anymore. You know, why buy it when you can stream it? It's the same concept behind Netflix. No one buys a movie; you you just stream it. You know, you you pay fifteen dollars a month for for a streaming service like Netflix. And you can stream as many shows as you want. Same thing behind Pandora, Spotify, and Apple Music. Pay nine 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 a month, you know, nine ninety nine a month, I should say, and you could stream as much music as you as you like. So, and that's that's good because now with, with with an iPhone or whatever phone you use, I use an iPhone. You know, there's hundreds of thousands of millions of songs you have at your fingertip. I mean, the technology is amazing that you could just listen to. Right now, I can listen to any song I want. I can type in whatever artist I want, you know, and just if I want to listen to Rihanna and Calvin Harris, the remix of Rihanna, I type it in, I can listen to it. So technology is is amazing. Uh, but I think, you know, it's taken, you know, a little bit out of the earnings of the artists and producers. But, you know, just like anything, you have to adapt to the times. How has streaming affected your profession in particular? Well, you know, when I had my record label and I was releasing the New York City Underground Party CDs, people would drive to the store and spend 15 or $18 for a, for a mixed CD. Now they don't do that. Now they, you know, they pay a streaming service. So, you know, so the money is not as good as it used to be because the streaming doesn't pay you as much as someone physically buying a CD. Uh, and that's a challenge. But the live aspect of it the live shows have really picked up 
So people would love, they'd love to see people spinning live or performing live. So as much as the music industry is down in one aspect, I think the touring and the concerts, well, obviously it's been on a pause for the last year, but once people get vaccinated and we get behind this, you know, this COVID, you know, 19, you know, nightmare, I think the concerts and live shows are going to come back times 10. People are clamoring to go back out. Like they Absolutely. cannot wait to go out. So I think, you know, we're going to take the, you know, the bad and, and it's been terrible. A lot of people have lost their lives. I've known several people who have died from it. And it's, you know, it's been a really, it's been a really tough year for a lot of people. But I know once we're, that the light is at the end of the tunnel. And once we reach that end of the tunnel, I think a lot of industries, including concerts, are going to, are going to pick up bigger than pre-COVID. So I'm excited for that. I'm just, you know, just trying to hold down the fort until we get through this. And, but I think the end is near. And I think by, by the summer and by the fall, we're going to be back to normal. And, you know, everyone's going to be making money. Everyone is going to go out and want to spend money. And I just think it's going to be, I think it's going to be an amazing time for this country. And I think for the whole world, I yes. think for that matter. Yeah. And I, I know you're chopping at the bit to, uh, to start that out and and most of us in regular society can't wait to hear music again because music is such an important aspect of human existence you know and so is dancing so dancing so people love to express themselves dancing and music i mean you know your, your own your own heart has a heartbeat you know there's a beat <laughs> in life so you know people do love to dance whether it's whether it's dance music house music country music hip hop whatever you want to see i people love and people love to be around other people people love to be in a crowded place enjoying and feeling the energy off other people as a society we crave that and i think that's been missing the last year Absolutely. and i think once once everything gets lifted we and we're gonna, we're really going to appreciate life and appreciate doing the simple things that I hate to say, but we took for granted, but who knew a pandemic a hundred years ago was the last pandemic? Who knew that something was going to start, you know, 10,000 miles away, you know, and then land on our doorsteps. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's crazy how it happened, but I just try and look at the positive, you know, that it's been terrible. People lost their lives, but I just know that there's the, the good of it when it's over is going to bring people together. And I think it's going to help this world just to appreciate and love each other that much more. Well, well stated. Um, I, I think you would agree that music is therapy and so is dancing. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that's an understatement. Yeah, Fact, 100%. <laughs> Speaking of uh, music and dancing, um, you have mm -hmm. focused largely on in the location of New York City, Long Island and Jersey Shore areas. Um, when you're playing in those three different sections, can you tell the difference where you are by the type of uh, followers you get over there? You know, not so much. And I've, I've traveled as far as St. Petersburg, Russia. I've been to Ibiza. I've been to France. I've been to Italy, Spain, Barcelona. You know, that was obviously, you know, definitely culturally different than here. But this area, you know, the, the Northeast, because I do parties, you know, from Philly all the way up to Boston. And the Northeast is, they, a lot of the crowds do react to a lot of the same, uh, the same music. And it's, there's really not much difference as far as going. I mean, you know, food-wise, yes, it's a big difference. But music-wise, from, from Philly all the way up to Boston, you know, it's, you know, people react to the same records. Some records, maybe you play in one area, they didn't react to it. But it's uh, it's it's pretty interesting how the music, you know, even though, and, and I'm a big sports fan as well, but, you know, sports fans, you know, from Philly or Boston or from New York aren't going to be best friends. <laughs> right. The music, you know, but the music brings them together. You know, the right music brings people from all over the place. When I do something in the city and there's people coming from Boston or from Philly that, you know, they wouldn't be friendly if they were sitting in, a, in a, a football game together. But in a nightclub, they love it because they share this, the common interest of the, of the same music that they enjoy. That's an interesting analogy you use because you're right. I mean, Eagles fans are not not going to get along with Giant fans. No. And then Giant fans aren't going to get along with, uh, you know, with, with uh, the Patriots fans or the Yankees and yep. Red Sox. Yeah. So but the music 
the same music will bring these people together and they'll drink together and dance together. Yes. But in the same environment in a stadium, they want to fight each other. Yes, yes. Especially those uh, broad, broad street bullies, you know, in Philadelphia. They're yes. known to uh, throw a couple of punches. So you're basically telling me that uh, it doesn't matter what city in the United States you perform in. Basically, all 20-year-olds are pretty much the same across the country. Pretty much. When it comes to dance music, you know, yeah. there's a little bit different. Like if you go to Miami, maybe it's a more of a house music scene. In L.A., maybe it's a little more of a trance scene. But, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, a big dance record is going to it's going to translate into all over the country. Right. So when you when you uh, per, is the term playing or performing like when you DJ? I would say playing because, you know, I'm playing music. So okay. I, I would I would say playing. So when you come to say you, you end up in Chicago or something like that, can you sense how it's going to go before you start your sets? Well, usually, well, now I, my own parties, I play open to close sets. So there's not an opener before me. I'm playing the whole night. Uh-huh. So if it starts, you know, if it starts at nine, it goes till two in the morning, or if it's nine till three or four in the morning or 10 o'clock. So I've been doing that because I like setting up the room and I like playing longer sets. But usually when I was traveling a lot outside of this area, there was an opening DJ. So I could kind of get, when I first walk into the room, just a vibe from what the opening DJ whether it's a guy or a girl, whoever's opening for me playing, I try and get a vibe and see what they're like, see what they're reacting to early. So, and you uh, can tell. but like you said, you, you know, I don't plan my set. So once I start, it's hit or miss. I mean, most of the time it's hit. Once in a while you play a record that misses, but you start playing and I don't plan my set. So I just feed off the crowd. So if I'm playing a couple songs and I'm feeling it, I'll specifically, all right, this is what I'm going to play next, go in that direction. But if a record, I play it and it doesn't get a reaction or I kind of feel the energy in the room go down a little, then I'm like, okay, like I need to come back with this because I think this is going to hit this spot. So it's a challenge. It's a, it's almost like a cat and mouse game. Like what, you know, a little give and take, like there's some nights that I could do no wrong. Then there's some nights that like, wow, it's, it's this crowd's making me work. To, to, to get them really to put their hands in the air. So it's always a challenge. And that's why 20 over 20 years later, it's still fun because it's new and fresh. It's not a routine. It's not, okay, I'm going to play ABC and the club's going to, the club's going to react to this. Sometimes it's AB and I got to go to Z and back to C. So you have to be, that's why I think any DJ should not plan their sets. They should just, they feed off the energy of the crowd and, you know, and sometimes I might forget to play a big record and someone will message me on Instagram or on Facebook. They're like, oh, my God, like that set was great, but you didn't play this record. But I only had six hours. Like, <laughs> there's, there's hundreds of thousands, millions of songs I could have played. I only can play about 100 in a night. So, right. you know, it's a challenge. And sometimes right. you forget, you know, you're in the moment and you're like, oh, my God, I should have played this. But, you know, most of the time I would say I think I'm doing a pretty good job. Oh, absolutely. So one thing is very clear, and that is that you serve it up fresh. 100%. 100%. Nothing is planned. And I always, I always make a joke. You know, they're like, what are you going to play tonight? I'm like, I don't know. And my friends are asking, what are you going to play tonight? And it's five minutes before I'm going on. They're like, what are you going to play tonight? It's like, I don't know. They're like, what do you don't know? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to wing it. I'm going to figure it out as I go on. I build up the night as the crowd. I see how the crowd's reacting to something. So it keeps it fun and fresh for me not knowing what am I going to play next, you know? So it's, uh, and that's why I still love doing it, you know, all these years later. Absolutely. How many gigabytes in your head do you have to memorize or know all those songs over the 20 year period? You know, there's, <laughs> there's probably an overload. And that's why sometimes you forget like, you, you know, Oh, you know what? I should have played the song. And I don't think about it till the next day or after my set's done. Like, oh, my God, what was I thinking? But now it's a little different because I'm not bringing all the vinyl there or CDs. I, I have all my music on the USB. I have folders. So I try and categorize, okay, this is what I definitely want to play tonight. Here's some stuff. But there's always a one or two songs that one of my friends will say, like, I can't believe you didn't play that record. I'm like, oh, my God, like, I just, 
I just popped out of my head. So sometimes you 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 know like like anything. Sometimes too much too much information is not a good thing because it's very hard to pick and choose out of all that information. How right? many songs do you know? Pretty much. I mean, you know, easy in the tens of thousands. <laughs> so, like you said, it gets it gets uh, sometimes you forget, you know. So that is certainly understandable. I mean, that's a lot of songs. Even uh, Frank Sinatra used to uh, forget the lyrics of his songs in concerts because he had so many of them, you know. Right. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, yeah. to actually have to sing the lyrics, to, you know, of hundreds of songs, you know, it's it's very easy to like you know, maybe trip on the words a little. Right, right. Um, in terms of your breakdown on a typical night, do you play like uh, percentage-wise 30% oldies or, you know, older songs and 30% newer songs and some of your own? How, how does that break down? There is no exact science. It's just, you know, unless a party specific, it's going to be just the old stuff. It's usually a Whatever. It all depends on the crowd. Some nights it could be 70% new stuff and only 30% maybe stuff from 10, 15 years ago. Some nights it could be flipped the other way. It, I guess it just depends on the crowd. You know, that's why I can't plan my set. So, so you, you can sense that when you show up and kind of feel it out. Well, once I start, I can start seeing what they're reacting to early. Uh so I, if I see them reacting to this, I'm like, okay, that's good. But then if I'm playing stuff, I'm like, I'm not getting a reaction. I may have to play something that they that they're really familiar with. Right. You know, there's there's always the there's always a go-to song that that the crowd they're going to react to it in a big way. So, so, so some of the things that you know uh, you consider is it the beats that they respond to, or is it a specific song that they respond to? Usually, it's a specific song. And especially the girls, if it's, if it's a vocal record, the girls love to sing along. You know what I mean? So <laughs> there's and there's plenty of nights where I'm playing a great vocal record that I turn the I turn the music off and I let the crowd sing the next line. So but girls love they love to sing. I mean, most girls, I don't want to say I don't want to categorize every woman, but most girls do love songs that they could sing along to. And especially if that song has meaning to them, whether it's about love whether it's about losing love, you know, something that, that opens up their hearts. Gotcha. And we will be right back after this important message. mixed number of songs and you've actually produced and sold New York City Underground Party uh, volumes one through eight, right? Yes. Um, tell us how that came about. What inspired you to produce that and, and how it turned out? Well, when I first started out as a DJ, like most DJs back in, in the 90s, I started out selling mixed tapes, like actual cassette tapes of putting the biggest club music on it. Uh, and I would sell it to, you know, when I was doing my DJ sets and stuff like that. And at the time, there was a lot of uh, compilations coming out, but they weren't mixed. And there was a lot of music on them, but it was a lot of filler music. So I had come up with the idea. I'm like, I should I want to put out a mixed CD, but every song on it is going to be a great song. It's not I don't want people spending 15 or 18 dollars. What, I was buying a lot of import CDs. I used to buy import CDs, spend $40 just to get that one song I wanted. I'm like, this is insanity. I'm like, what I'm going to do, I'm going to pick 15 songs, 16 songs that I know that are working for me in the clubs. I'm going to mix them together and I'm going to sell that as a continuous mix, but with the hottest songs from the last six months or, or, or the last year and sell it to the average person who goes out to the clubs. Oh, excuse me. Who, who may not know the songs because the radio wasn't playing a lot of those songs. So that's how I came up with that concept. And then, you know, the New York City Underground Party was a name that popped in my head said, why not use New York City as a brand? You know, and it's a party, it's party music, 
and I thought New York's Underground Party just sounded like a cool name. There yeah, it's very intriguing. Really, yeah, there really wasn't much behind that. And that's when a lot of people told me this is not going to work. People aren't going to buy something with New York City on it. Someone outside of New York City doesn't care about New York City. But I disagree with them. And I guess I was right. Yeah, I think you were right. Um, over the 20 years or plus that you've been doing this, except for this past year, um, do you notice any kind of changes in the pro- in the profession or the people's reaction? I mean, some kind of a demographical adjustments, some kind of a change in the last 20 years is pretty much the same. Uh, well, obviously, you know, the you know, my original crowd got older, started getting married and having kids. But the only thing that's really changed, obviously, festivals took off. So whether it's the Ultra, Electric Daisy Carnival, Electric Zoo, you know, so so DJs. When I first started DJing, we were hidden in a booth and no one could see who the DJ was. Now DJs, they're rock stars. You know, right they're in the center. Right in the center. Right in the center. They're treated no different than, you know, a Billy Joel or an Elton John. Celebrity. So, celebrity. celebrity. So that is the, probably the biggest change. But as far as the crowd, you know, the crowd, the only thing that the biggest difference is, I guess, cell phones. Because 20 years ago, People didn't have cell phones and they weren't filming everything. They weren't Snapchatting and putting stuff on their Instagram stories. So that's probably the biggest change with the crowds. And as positive and as good that is, because you want people to share like, oh, look, we're at this party and then people are going to see it. And then they're like, oh, my God, we should go there next time. The only one negative thing with that is I think a lot of people, more the younger crowd, they get lost and they're so worried about filming it. And filming their friends that they're not they're not living in the moment. And that's like a little fear of mine that when everyone has their phones out, it's fun. But you also want to be there in the moment. You don't want to just take 100 videos and you, you're looking through the whole night through your phone. You know, so that's a little fear of mine that this Generation Z right now and the younger millennials maybe might be on their phone a little too much and they're not living in the moment. So that's that's probably the biggest change with the crowds is phones are just out and about and they're filming everything, which is fun. But you also need to be there in the moment as well. Yeah, I, I think that is part of the liability of uh, the high tech society that we live in, I guess. Um, right, absolutely. In terms of uh, who you are versus other DJs, and I'm sure there are thousands, perhaps tens of thousands of people across the country who are DJing or trying to emulate what you do. What separates you from the rest of the pack? What makes uh, DeVito one of the unique ones? Uh, Well, I, I would think I branded myself heavily when I was marketing my CDs. Uh, and I still, when I market my parties, I have someone that's very close to me, uh, my friend Eugene, who's got, he's got a radio voice. His voice is phenomenal. And I have him do these voiceovers over my videos and his voice just excites you. And I think a big part of that when I was advertising on, on the local radio stations like KTU that's based out of New York City is his voice is very powerful. And I branded myself. I spent a lot of money promoting and marketing my CDs and I think uh, people, I just, it was just the way I marketed and branded myself. And it just stuck with people. And I still market and, and, and promote myself the same way. A little different now. I don't advertise on the radio. I advertise through social media. But it's still got that same effect. And it gets people excited. So I think, you know, I think you have to market yourself. I think the internet's a great thing. I think social media is phenomenal. As long as you're not arguing with someone about something stupid like right. that. You know, you know, that to me, I don't know why people waste their time arguing with a complete stranger, whether it's food, whether it's this, where it's that, like, you know, social media can be used as a great tool to market and promote yourself. And it doesn't have to just have to be music. It could be a restaurant. You could be a real estate agent marketing a property. I think, you know, you could be a clothes designer or own a, a pizzeria. I think social media is a great tool to market yourself. So I think to any up and coming DJ or producer, you know, use social media to your advantage because you could reach so many people, you know, with the, with, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, you couldn't do that through social media. So now I think people, you should really use the power 
of social media and the positivity of social media to, you know, to enhance your brand and yourself. Excellent. Now, if you could put into words, how would you encapsulate Louis DeVito's sound as a DJ? Energy. I, I love playing records and music with energy. People that want to sing along, put their hands up and just they want to lose themselves. And especially what, you know, when these parties come back after what's happened, whether someone got the bit got sick or they lost a loved one or a friend, you know, you have to live every day like it's a blessing. Now, even more so after COVID-19. So my brand and my music and my energy is just, and the biggest compliment that I've received from a lot of people is people who have messaged me and said, I don't even really like dance music or I don't like EDM or house music, but I love when you play. I like what you play. And that's a, that's a, that's a very good compliment to someone who may not even be a fan of the actual genre, but they love the energy that I bring to a room with the music I play. So just energy. I love people smiling. It's the best feeling in the world to look out at a thousand people and everyone is dancing and their hands are in the air and I'm the one behind it. Like I am, I am creating that vibe and that happiness. I mean, it's just phenomenal. And that's why I've been spinning so long and I hope to continue to spin, you know, forever. Yeah. It's certainly understandable. Um, not many, not many people can create such energy, a positive energy and happiness in a room like the DJs, successful ones like you do. Absolutely. You know, um, as an Italian-American background, do you have a particularly large uh, following or support from uh, other Italian-Americans? I would, I would say in certain areas, I mean, probably some of these parties could be as much as 50% Italian people, <laughs> you know. And, and, you know, in the crowd, especially in the New York, New Jersey, Long Island area, obviously there's a high concentration of Italian people. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, whether they're coming out to see me because I'm Italian or not, I don't know. But dance music usually resonates with, you know, but, you know, all backgrounds, you don't, I mean, you don't have to be just Italian, obviously, to enjoy it. But there's definitely uh, a lot of Italian people do, you know, happen to come out, which is a fun thing. You know? oh, yeah, it's a sign of a, a strong support and success. You mentioned that you travel uh, to other countries. Uh, what, what was that like when you play your kind of beat across another country? Well, you know what? It, you know, going to as far as Russia, St. Petersburg, which was like a journey to get there, two flights, a car ride. I mean, it really was, it was a challenge, very long challenge to get there. But playing that once, once I stopped playing the music, it felt like I was back home. Like it didn't feel any different, you know, like you're 10,000 miles away from home, but they still reacted the same. They still love, you know, the house music. They still love the energy that I brought to the venue. And it was, uh, it was surreal to be so far away from home and playing almost, you know, pretty much the same music I play here. So it was, you know, it was interesting, you know, I mean, I love to travel. I hope once the COVID restrictions lift, I can get back to traveling again. I mean, I know I will be. And uh, it's just fun to do something you love and then travel the world doing it. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm blessed to, to, to be that fortunate. Absolutely. Um, do you find that Europe play, enjoys or appreciates more of uh, DJs like you than North America? I think, well, I think dance music, EDM in general is, is much bigger in Europe. It's, considered mainstream there it's it's used in commercials it's just it's more i don't want to use the word accepted there but it's it's dance music is mainstream there where here it's really it kind of was almost getting to mainstream but it's not completely like i still think most people in america enjoy country music or hip-hop over over dance music so i think dance music is uh it's like in, in like probably like third place when it comes really? to this country. Yeah. Where oh. Europe, I think it's it's more front and center as opposed to here in, in America. You think uh, that'll become the case at some point in North America? I, I hope so. I mean, that's my dream that, you know, dance music is, you know, uh, you know, widely accepted, you know, as, as the biggest genre of music. M maybe one day. I mean, I, you know, I don't know, but 
you know, everyone has their own thing, you know, and I know America is, you know, we're a very diverse country, you know, so like we have all people from, 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 from different backgrounds who came here from other countries. So, you know, it's a very diverse country. So I think that has a lot to do with it as well. Yeah, I think uh, when I saw some of the videos of the of Russia in the nine, uh, they really like to dance a lot to the '90s music and that sort of thing. So it's pretty big over there. Right. Yes, it is absolutely. And if uh, that happens in America, then you are one of the reasons that would be the case. Well, I hope so, and I would I would want to ride that wave with all the other great, amazing DJs that we have. Absolutely. Now, because uh, over Europe and other places where. DJ music is so much more appreciated. When you when you got to St. Petersburg, for example, did they treat you like a star, celebrity? They they did. It, it was definitely. I get treated very well here as well. But when I did go overseas, it was definitely, uh, you know, it was a special feeling. It was like, wow, you know, I'm here. I'm just here as a DJ, and it was just, uh, you know, it was definitely a celebrity status type of feeling which is fun oh yeah absolutely those are the benefits of being you know your profession um uh tell us about your childhood back in the when you were young in uh, jersey shore what it was like uh well i actually grew up i was actually grew up in new york in brooklyn okay and i yeah i was like probably like like in my 20s already when i did move to new jersey uh but growing up you know i was you know huge baseball fan i'm a big new york yankees fan and uh but i always loved music ever since i was little i have uh i have an older brother and he started going out to the clubs and he would you know he would buy 12 inch dance records and he would want me to record you know he's like can you put these on a tape for me so that's how that's how it basically started is he gave me he had a turntable i told him if you buy me another turntable and a little mixer i go i think i can mix these songs together so that's, that's, and I was probably only in like, maybe like the seventh grade. Wow. So I, you know, my, my love of music was, you know, started at a very young age. And, uh, you know, so, you know, my dad for my birthday that year got me another turntable. I used the other one and I had a little, a little cheap one, two channel mixer. I didn't know what I was doing. I was trying to mix them together, but, <laughs> uh, but I knew, but I knew at a very young age that being a DJ was something I wanted to do. So it's, uh, you know, it's true what they say, man. I just, I always knew, I mean, whether someone wants to be a doctor, a lawyer, or, you know, whatever it may be, a policeman, a fireman, a teacher, you know, I just always, I feel I had a calling to be a DJ. That's amazing that you would know something like that. What your life's calling is at such a young age. Absolutely. I mean, I still know people to this day that, in their thirties and forties and still don't know what they want to do. Absolutely. So, and, and that's not a bad thing. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know, you want to make a change in life. I'm all for it, but I was blessed that at a very young age, I always loved music and I knew that's what I wanted to do. So all these years later to be doing it is, you know, it's, it's definitely a dream come true. Well, good for you. And we will be right back after this important message. turn out much more than you ever imagined 100 percent. because when i first started djing nightclubs and i was only making a hundred dollars a night and you know you know you really can't live on a hundred dollars a night even if it was you know 20 something years ago uh you know my family was getting on me like you know this is you, you have to get a real job like this 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 is you know how are you gonna live you're barely making any money so uh I was getting a little, I don't want to, I don't want to use the word discouraged, but I was like, man, maybe I got to start doing something else. But, uh, so I was fortunate enough that, that it just, it started clicking for me, you know, that it started, I started making more money and I saved up enough money to, 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 to put out that first CD. And then, 
in my wildest dreams, my first CD, my goal was to sell 5,000 copies of it. The first New York City Underground Party sold over 60,000 copies. Wow. So, you know, and then the next one sold, sold like over double that. Then the next one sold almost 600,000. So it just, it was like a snowfall, uh, like a, a, you know, a snowfall effect. It just started building momentum. And yep. next thing I know, it grew into this big snowball. And I, but in my wildest dreams, I never thought that I would have became so successful doing it, you know? Isn't that nice to do something that you enjoy and make a living at it? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. And when I see, I, when I see a friend or, or, you know, someone that I'm close with, not happy with their, what they're doing or something like that. And I would tell them, you know, follow your dreams. I don't care how crazy it may seem, follow your dreams because if you're really passionate and believe in yourself, I mean, I think we all have it in us to accomplish anything we want. And, uh, but to do something that you love so much and to be successful at it, I mean, it's, you can't, it's no better feeling in the world, to be honest with you. Absolutely. And people that enjoy what they're doing for work tend to live a long time because they're happy. Yes. And being happy. I and mean, that's another thing. I mean, life's too short not to be happy. Just be happy. Amen. I tell my friends, just be happy. There's, you know, you're healthy. You have a roof over your head. You have, you're blessed. There's, you got your dog. In this world. <laughs> yeah. There's people in this world, especially now with COVID that are sick, you know, I mean, and just, just be happy. You know, Absolutely. I'm a very happy, positive guy. Life's, life is amazing. Life is beautiful. That's right. Um, when you do a set, sometimes you start, I guess, 10 o'clock or whatever, and you go into two or three in the morning, I, I, I imagine. Yes. When you create so much energy and excitement and happiness and all this positive you know, energy over there, how do you calm down afterwards when the party ends, when the last note stops? Yes. When, you know, usually on a great night, most of my parties are great nights. The high just stays with me. So <laughs> when I'm when, when I'm on my way home, I'm still like, my God, that was a great night. And then my phone the text messages I'm getting, everyone's there. Then the Facebook messages, the comments the next day. So that, that high can stay with me for like two or three days from that <laughs> one party, you know? So it, it, it definitely has a lingering effect in the next couple of days. And usually from a party, I'm that happy that I can't even fall asleep because I was like, wow, tonight was amazing. Like tonight was people are sending me videos. So I'm, I'm looking at videos of the night. So that high stays with me for a good few days. And then the best part is when people after that part are asking me, when's the next one? Like, oh my God, that was an amazing night. Or people who didn't come were like, oh my God, I can't believe I missed it. When's the next one? So it's 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 instant gratification. And but it stays with you for, for quite a while. Yeah, it's that endorphin effect, you know, once you get that hit, you know, it stays with you for a long time. So yes. that's my question. You really don't go to sleep that night. No, no, I don't. And then when I do, it's just, you know, like, I feel like I'm on cloud nine, you know, you don't need coffee at five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Cause I always wonder, I remember uh, Jackson brothers, Jackson five, when they mm -hmm. uh, did a tour call, called uh, the victory tour and, you know, they go all over and they, you know, they perform and they, they really put out a good show. And I always wonder how does Michael and his brothers calm down after, you know, putting out so much energy, what do they do? For the next, you know, six hours or something. Right. Yeah. No, that, that and, and amazing. You know, Michael Jackson was, you know, one of the best artists who ever lived. And yeah, I, you know, they're probably still on that same high, you know. And, you know, theirs is a little different of a performance because they're actually dancing and moving around. So, you know, maybe they actually do get tired from being on stage the whole night. Ah. So, but yeah, the high, that high stays with you. I mean, it doesn't leave you doesn't leave you and then you do your next show and you get another high and it's you know and it's, it's, it's very addictive you know i i can understand that uh, remember when, um you took a song africa from toto yes yeah so tell us something about the background of that yes that was on my dance factory cd people and this will never change people love familiar uh, familiar song so taking a song that was big in the 80s mm -hmm. And, and redoing it for the current crowd, it, it'll never fail. You know, with a current sound, now you're gonna appease the, the younger crowd that may not know the original, 
but to the people who know the original. So it's, you know, taking an oldest song and remaking it, kind of you're, you're pleasing both worlds. You know, your younger crowd and the crowd that knows, remembers the original song. So it's a good thing. Remakes are, are a very big staple in my sets because people just, the, the younger crowd loves the, 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 the new beat you put to it, but they don't remember the original. And the older crowd remembers the original. So it's, uh, it's fun to put songs together like that. So that, that, I guess, works on your creative aspect of being a producer. Yes. And you, do you enjoy doing that? Oh, it's, it's phenomenal. And the, the new stuff I'm working on now that I'm going to be releasing over the next few months is, uh, I think it's, it's, people are going to really gravitate towards it. And I hope to captivate, you know, some new fans along the way because I plan on doing these parties for, uh, for a very long time. That's excellent. Uh, what's the best part of being a DJ? Uh, the feeling you get when you drop a song and the place erupts. N nothing, you can't put a price tag on that. When, you, when that beat hits and the place hands in the air and you hear the whole crowd scream, that's, that's why you become a DJ. Now, what's the worst part of being a DJ? The worst part is when sometimes you have a party that's not successful and, you know, maybe only 100 people show up and, you know, it's kind of like you get a little disappointed. Like, why is there only 100 people here? You start to question yourself, like maybe no one wanted to come see me. You know, it's like it's it goes very deep to like why you know, you question why is no one out there? So that's probably the worst feeling when there's not a big crowd. You know, and fortunate enough, I really haven't had too many of those, thank God. But that's that's like a low when you do a party and it's not the turnout you expected. Gotcha. You know, you, uh, back in the 70s or 80s, you had to carry all these albums and, and all these other you know aspects of it. But now you mentioned earlier, earlier you just carry a little uh, flash disc. Flash yeah, I carry three of them and that's it. And my headphones. Wow. I have a little case and I'm locked and loaded. So no more bringing, you know, hundreds of records and having to, you know, check them in, getting on a plate, on a plane, I should say, you know, put them in the back of your truck and carrying them in and out. Now, now it's a USB. How about that? So you just travel light nowadays, huh? Very light. <laughs> Tell us about your, your Guinness Book of World Records. Oh, yeah, Volume 3. That was crazy. When, when I was notified that that was the biggest selling DJ compilation in billboard history that was uh that was a very you know surreal moment i was like really like wow but that that album that album was a was a great great cd had a lot of great music on it and i'm so i'm very proud of that cd so many people have that cd and it's uh it still stood the test of time absolutely did you figure out what was the cause of being such a, a great seller well, there was, there was several big songs on it, uh, but Melanie C., who used to be with the Spice Girls, had a song called I Turn to You. And that was the big vocal record that really drove, you know, the sales of that song, uh, of that CD, I should say, because you couldn't get it anywhere. And it was being played all over the radio. Every club was playing it and all the girls would sing along to it. So that was uh, that was a big help in selling so many copies of that. About that now, you know, being in Guinness Book of World Records all help you build that brand, doesn't it? Oh, Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> after after Volume Three came out, there was uh, a lot of people knew who I was, to say the <laughs> least. Uh, they used to give you a little frame thing with Guinness Book of World Records. Do you have yes, one? Yes, I, I I have that, and I have uh, a plaque from Billboard. You know, for you know for being the, the biggest selling band CD. And I think that CD, that CD went like three months on the uh, Billboard dance chart as the number one dance CD in America. So that CD really hit a, I'll use a baseball term, that CD was a grand slam. How about that? I bet I'm sure a lot of other DJs wish they had experienced something like that. Now in the past, uh, you've uh, been quoted as saying uh, that you have this ideology of giving them what they want in terms of music to the fans. You still uh, abide by that? 100%. I always play for the crowd and to the crowd. 
And I think a lot of DJs, unfortunately, that they want to play, maybe they don't want to play a song because it's older or this song's played out. I hear it from a lot of DJs and I think you have to give the crowd what they want. Play to the crowd. I mean, I'm still doing this over 20, going on 25 years spinning because I play to the crowd. Play what they want to hear. If you play what they want to hear, you can have a very long DJ career and be successful at it. But a lot of guys and women, female DJs as well, maybe they get lost in themselves because there's so much great new music or great stuff that they want to play. But at the end of the day, if the people aren't dancing, you're not doing your job. Right. So in a way, they can they can accuse you of being a, not a pure DJ, I guess. But in the end, in terms of the marketing and bring the end result, you'd rather uh, keep the crowd feet moving than trying to be philosophical about being a DJ. But, and that's, um, that's interesting how you said that pure DJ, because it's a slippery slope. You know, when you become successful at anything, what's the first thing a lot of people want to say is, Oh, you they're, they're a sellout. They sold out there. But at the end of the day, if you're doing something you love and someone's going to pay you for it, I don't look at it as being a sellout. And as, as far as being a pure DJ, you know, that's, you know, you could take that either way. I think I'm a pure DJ, but I also play what the people want to hear. I, but it's the music I love too. So, you know, I get it. There's some people out there that maybe, maybe they think they're too cool to play a certain song. Oh, I can't play that. I don't like that record. But if the whole, if the crowd loves it, I mean, you probably should play it, you know? <laughs> so it's, 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 it's a, it's a very, it's an interesting conversation to have with other DJs because some DJs are on one side of that playing, playing with the, what the crowd wants. And then the other DJs are like, no, screw that. I'm playing what I want. They better dance to it. And I can respect that too, but I don't think you can, I don't think you're going to have a very long and prosperous DJ career with that attitude because eventually the club owner or the promoter, whoever hired you, is going to be like, no one's dancing. If no one's dancing, right. no one's having a good time. If, that, if they're not having a good time, they're not drinking. They're not spending money. And at the end of the day, it is still a business. Right. You know? So it's, it's a slippery slope. Yeah, you can't eat self-righteousness, you know? No, no, you can't. So... Uh, I guess as a outsider, my basic question would be, well, what is the purpose of a DJ if not to provide music so people can dance? You know, that's the fundamental yeah. bottom line. That's 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 their job to provide the music, you know, and, and to provide good music and a good right. vibe and, and good energy. Right. That's great. I'm glad you validated my uh, fundamental thought there. Um, yes. You also do a weekly podcast or you did in the past. I love house. Yes. It's act I actually changed the name to Louis DeVito's Dance Factory. Okay. And uh that's that's a podcast. It's available on uh on on iTunes, on Apple Music. And uh and that's predominantly I shouldn't say predominant, that's all brand new music. Each week it's it's the newest music that I get that I like. So it's it's nothing, you know, nothing from twenty years ago. It's all brand new stuff. And uh it does really well. It gets, you know, it gets thousands of downloads each week. So, uh, you know, that's exciting. And it gets downloads in some really crazy places. One of my biggest markets, which I've actually never been to yet, and hopefully after COVID I will, is uh, Wichita, Kansas City. I Who guess. knew? Yeah, Wichita. Dorothy. <laughs> yeah, Wichita, Kansas City. I get, some weeks I get a thousand downloads just in Wichita, Kansas City. Wow, that's 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 truly literally middle of America. Yeah, and I've never been. I've, <laughs> I've really, I've never been to like the, the the Midwest like that. Now, I've obviously I've been to the West Coast. I've been to the Chicago. I've been to Texas, Dallas, Houston, San Antonio. But you know, like smack that in the middle of America. Besides flying over it in an airplane, I've never been there. That makes two of us. Now, if you do go to uh, Kansas, Wichita, or Kansas in general, you got to make sure you try their Kansas barbecue. I understand that they have good barbecue too. Oh, I would. I'm, I'm all for trying <laughs> new food. I'm a, I'm a foodie outside of being a DJ. I'm with you. Uh, we all have to have some uh, outlet, right? So I get that. Ab absolutely. Um, so what's the future for Louis DeVito? Next couple of years, uh, five years from now. You know, still 
producing, still DJing, doing my podcast, throwing my parties. I mean, that's it. It's the same thing I've been doing for all these years. You know, when a formula works, you don't change it, you know? So that's, that's basically it. More of the same. As soon as these COVID restrictions are lifted and we're all safe and sound and people are vaccinated and we can party, you know, safely together, you know, I'm going right back to where I picked, you know, left off a, a year ago. Back to your roots, huh? 100%. One last question before we uh, end. Do you enjoy DJing more or being a producer more? Definitely DJing. Being out, being in front of the crowd, you know, you can't put a price tag on that. Being in front of, that's just, that's the best feeling ever. That's second to none for me. Excellent. One of these days, I hope to uh, come to one of your parties and uh, raise my arms and do my dancing. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd love to have you. Any, anywhere you want to come, you'd be, you'd, I'd be more than happy to have you as my guest. Thank you. I appreciate that, and I feel honored. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we thank Louis DeVito, the world-famous DJ slash producer, for spending time with us. And obviously, we at Fra Era Podcast. Wish you continued success, Louis. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was an honor. Uh, I hope that you stay safe and healthy. And I would be an honor to have you at one of my shows. And I'd love to chat again sometime in the future. We'll do that. We'll do that. Thank you very much. This is Augustus Cho for Fry It Up Podcast. Over and out. <laughs>